Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Last Sunday, Pastor Michael started to speak about the priesthood of all the believers. And uh, as I was praying and preparing to see what God would like me to bring today, the Lord inspired me also in the same direction, to carry on in the same direction and uh, share certain stuff that he put in my heart concerning the priesthood of all the believers. In the Old Testament, we know that the priesthood was given to a specific family. Not all the people were priests. Only one family was chosen by God with a specific mandate to exercise priesthood. When we speak about priesthood, we see the ability to offer sacrifices to the Lord, to do intercession on the behalf of other people, to interact with God, to be able to stand in his presence. Not everyone was able to do that. Only one family. In the book of Exodus, let's read Exodus chapter 30, verse 30. Exodus 30, verse 30. The Bible says, And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. Amen. God gave instruction to Moses that you will anoint Aaron and his sons. You will anoint them, consecrate them, set them apart for one reason, so that they will minister to me as priests. Not all the entire nation of Israel, but only that group of people. So no other person was able to interact with God. People were not praying, were not worshiping like we do today. Amen. It was only Aaron and his family. It was, there was a barrier between men and God. Even in the, the temple, in the tabernacle, there was a curtain. No one was able to access the holy of holy, only the high priest. So there was no direct access between God and men. But thank be to God for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When Jesus came, he came to redeem us back to the Father, and he broke that barrier for us. So that all of us today, we can be able to talk with God, to be in contact with him directly without someone coming in between. Amen. That's why we speak about the priesthood of all the believers. Not few believers, but all the believers. Can you say after me, all the believers? Hallelujah. The priesthood is not only for the pastors, for the apostles, for the prophet, but for all the believers. This is what Jesus Christ brought to us. Let's read together the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 9 to verse 10. Revelation, chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 9 to verse 10. I will read and you will follow. 
And they sang a new song saying, You are ready to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and every redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Amen. So this is what Jesus has done for us. He redeemed us from different nations, different colors, different tribes. He's not only the God of the Jewish or the God of the European people or American people. He's the God of every nation. He saved every nation, every tribe, every colors. He saved us out through his blood. Amen. By paying the price of his blood. But the purpose of that salvation, the Bible says that he made us kings and priests unto the Lord. He gave us two powerful offices that we are kings. I'm not talking about the kingly anointing today. I'm talking about the priesthood. Amen. But you have received two callings by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. The Bible says that he made you. It is not your right. You don't deserve it. It is a privilege given to you. The, the priesthood of the believers in the New Testament is a privilege. He made you priests. You did not fast to become a priest. You did not give money to become a priest. But Jesus made you a priest. Amen. So when you receive him, you receive also the priesthood. It is given to you. That ability to stand in front of God to intercede, to offer spiritual sacrifices. Peter is showing us that by receiving salvation, you become a living stone in the spiritual house of God. Your presence and your contribution in that spiritual house matters. Pastor Michael gave us this scripture last Sunday. I'm reading it again. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Verse 5. You also as a living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. All of us, the believers, we are living stones that are building the body of Christ, the temple of God, the spiritual house of God, the kingdom of God. We are building. You and me, we are stones. You understand? The, 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 the pastor is not bigger stone and you are small. No. All of us, we are the stones. We, we, are, we have the same value in the eyes of God. We are the same in the eyes of God. He sees us. All of us, we are important. You and me, all of us together, we are building the house of God. And the reason Jesus gave us this priesthood is for us to offer spiritual sacrifices. Amen. It's for what? To offer what? Spiritual sacrifices. That's why he brought you in his family. So that you may be able to offer spiritual sacrifices. And you have to ask yourself that question every day. I have been made a priest. Am I really offering spiritual sacrifices to God? You get to answer that question. Amen. 
when I speak about spiritual sacrifices, there are many spiritual sacrifices that we can offer to God. But I can give you some. For example, the first sacrifice is yourself. Amen. The sacrifice of self. The Apostle Paul speaks in the book of Romans 12 that I, I, I beseech you by the mercy of God to offer yourself as a living what? Sacrifice unto the Lord. That will be a pleasant worship. You understand? The, the, the first spiritual sacrifice is the sacrifice of self. Giving yourself as a sacrifice to God. Jesus has enabled you to be able to offer yourself to God. Amen. You are living stone in that house so that you may offer yourself. You may dedicate yourself fully to God. One of the, the another sacrifice is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Amen. The sacrifice of praise. Another sacrifice, the sacrifice of worship. These are the spiritual sacrifices that we are called to offer to the Lord. Another sacrifice is the sacrifice of giving. It is a spiritual sacrifice. You understand that, that we, we, we have to give to the Lord. We, we, we don't give by convenience. It is a sacrifice. Even if it can cost me, it is what? A sacrifice. There is a sacrifice of love. Jesus has empowered us to love because he came to dwell within us. Himself is love living inside of you. So you are now as a priest unto the Lord, you are empowered to offer the sacrifice of love, loving God and loving your neighbor. He has empowered you to do that. And those spiritual sacrifices are the sacrifices that God is expecting you to offer them yourself. You understand what I'm saying? You don't need someone to offer them on your behalf. Hallelujah. God is expecting your worship. I cannot worship God on your behalf. That you are closing your mouth, you're sleeping on your bed, and someone is worshiping God. You say, as I'm worshiping God, I'm doing it for Greg. No, you get to worship God yourself. You understand? No one can praise God on your behalf. You must offer the sacrifice of praise yourself. Amen. You, you get to do it yourself. As we are ending the year, you wake up in the morning. It is you yourself who must lift your hand to God and show gratitude. Say, God, I thank you for a new day. I thank you for the gift of life. You offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving yourself. That's why in the new covenant, the priesthood is given to all the believers. You don't need someone to go front of God to pray on your behalf. You can do it yourself. You have been empowered to do that. Amen. The same way the pastor can do it, you can do it. The same way the apostle can do it, you too you can do it. Because in the Old Testament, people were depending on the family of Aaron to go in the Holy of Holy and pray for them. But Jesus came to open the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is a blessing for you and me to do that. Amen. To offer those spiritual sacrifices. And also in the priesthood of all the believers, Jesus has given us the ability to witness him. It's one of the sacrifices in this priesthood. You have received the ability to witness Jesus, to speak about him. In the same chapter 2 uh, of 1 of, of Peter, let's jump to verse 9. The same chapter, go now down to verse 9. Paul, Peter is speaking about that. 
verse 9. He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may do what? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You understand that? He called you, the other version says, that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues of the perfection of him who called you in darkness, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. So it made you a priest so that you may proclaim the wonders of this God. You may proclaim the good deed of this God. He made you a witness. You are a priest unto the Lord. You are able to interact with him and you are able to speak about him to other people. And you need to stand in that office. What the Lord is, is telling you this morning is to ask yourself this question, am I really operating as a priest? Or I don't operate like that. You have been already made a priest. But now the question is, are you acting as a priest? Amen. Another thing important about priesthood that you should know is you cannot operate as a priest without having an altar. Amen. You are too quiet this morning. Amen. Are you still alive? <laughs> you cannot operate as a priest without what? An altar. In the Old Testament, they had the physical altar. They cannot call you a priest if there is no altar. You need to go in on the altar to offer sacrifices on that altar. So a priest they cannot exist without an altar. When you have a priest in the land, a priest in the city, that priest must have an altar where sacrifices are made there. Amen. Even in witchcraft, even if you go to the African village, you will find that the, the chief of the village is there and, and he has an altar where he offers sacrifice to connect with demonic powers. So you cannot stand as a priest if you don't have an altar. The absence of altar will freeze your priesthood. Amen. So now in the New Testament, we don't need a physical altar. We have a spiritual altar of prayer. Because the altar is a point of contact. Is what? Point of contact. It's the place that the divinity can connect with the humanity. The altar is the place that God can connect with man. You understand? As I'm standing here, I'm standing on this altar speaking to you. What is happening now, it is a connection between divinity and humanity. The Lord is speaking through his church, passing through a man. So this altar becomes a point of contact. Amen. So when people are bringing sacrifice, God was bringing fire down. There was a connection. And through prayer, you can connect with heaven. Hallelujah. Prayer can connect you with the throne of God. Prayer can connect you with the heart of God. There is a connection Prayer is the point of contact. As a believer, as a priest in this new covenant, every each person must have a spiritual altar of prayer, a meeting place, a meeting time. You don't need to pray by accident. You don't pray by convenience. 
You get to schedule prayer. You get to organize, discipline yourself. That I sit that place every time to connect with God. Amen. When people are, are, are moving to a new house or you're building your house, you're buying your house, you, you see people are thinking to create corners for everything. I need my flower to be there. I will put the, that photo here. I'll put you. We can create places for everything in the house without creating a spot that this is my meeting place with God. I will be sitting here. They will say, no, I, I need my dining room to be here. That place will be for this, but there's no place, no, no. This is the place that everything, no, nothing else can happen here. It's only prayer. This is my spot of prayer. It is an altar. I discipline myself to go there in the morning. You go there in the night. Because you lose your priesthood when you don't have an altar. Amen. Is this a judgment on you or what? Because the way you're sitting quiet is like, no, no, this, this is becoming like... <laughs> now I'm trying to encourage you. Amen? I'm sharing to you what God has laid in my heart. If, if, if you, you, you don't do that, it's not a judgment, but it's just a revival. Amen? Maybe you wake up this morning, you just, say, just, you just have your breakfast and you prepare yourself. You come to the church, but you are not acting like a priest. That the first thing that I have to do is to offer sacrifice of thanksgiving. You don't do it. You see, a priest must always set the fire on. The first person to talk with as a priest is God. A priest cannot talk with men before talking with God. He goes first in front of his altar. It does not depend that, no, no, the pastor is praying for us, we are already covered. Now my mother is praying for me, I'm already covered. People can pray for his good. Your parents can pray for his good. But God has given you yourself the power to talk with him. And you get to use that. Amen. You get to, do, to use that. You get to offer continually the sacrifices of praise and worship to the Lord. One of the greatest weaknesses of the church today is the lack of real intimacy with God. The church of our generation, the greatest witness, your weakness, it is the lack of intimacy. That lack of intimacy is keeping many believers immature and dependent. You understand that? The lack of personal intimacy, relationship with God, is keeping many believers today immature and dependent. They cannot grow. They cannot take responsibility. And they are depending on other people's faith, other people's belief, other people's prayers, other people's encouragement. Themselves, they cannot move forward, cannot grow. And, and, and as a result, the church is becoming weak. Because only few people are able to take responsibility. The majority are dependent. And we stagnate as a church. We don't move. Hallelujah. Your time for visitation can arrive, but as long as you are still immature, you cannot access that inheritance. You cannot access that position. Sometimes I was thinking about the people of Israel. I read the Bible. The Bible said that the Lord said to Abraham that, that your descendants will be slaves in another country for how many years? 400 years. 
But when you read your Bible, you find out that Israel did not come out of Egypt after 400 years. They came after 430 years. They were extra 30 years. And God cannot lie. He's not a man to lie. He's not the son of man to repent. God tells the truth. He said 400 years. But they came after after 430 years, as I was thinking, I said, why, why this happened? Why this happened? It is, it's wrong interpretation. It's a mistake in the Bible. The Holy Spirit it's not a mistake. It's true. But the problem is God has had in his mind a liberator. Amen. He had that man in his mind. Since he was born, you know that this man, Moses, is the one that I will use to take my people out of the bondage. He had in his mind the liberator. But the problem is the liberator was not ready. He was still growing. And because of that delay in growth, the entire nation suffered extra 30 years because the one carrying that calling was not ready. You can make an entire generation suffer because of your spiritual laziness. You can make your church stagnate because you refuse to grow. You can make your family suffer because you refuse to grow. There are certain things God cannot do until the people chosen by him are ready. If they are not ready, we'll be turning around. Amen. You are a priest unto the Lord. Say amen to that. Amen. Hallelujah. We are priests unto the Lord. He called us to grow, to, to be in intimacy. And your intimacy with God will give you access to certain things. Let me give you three or four things. Number one, your intimacy with God, through your intimacy with God, you can know him better and know his ways. This is number one. Through your personal intimacy with God, you can know him better. And you can also know his ways. You cannot know God better outside of him. You need to be connected with him. That intimacy, you and him, the more you spend time with him, with his word, you are under his, you will know him well. And you will know his ways. God has made you priest and has given you the ability to interact directly with him without asking another man authorization. You can do it yourself. And that intimacy will help you to grow. That is why David, before he died, he said to his son Solomon in the book of First Chronicle 28, verse 9, you will see that he said to Solomon, as for you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. You understand that? David was about to go and he prepared for Solomon everything Solomon needed to build the temple. Everything. Solomon was a prince. He did not suffer. He was born in riches, in opulence. His father had the vision, the mission to build the temple. But God said, you will not build. Your son will build. And what he did, he gathered money. Gold, silver, resources. Solomon had everything waiting for him. But David knew money, resources, minus God, equals failure. He knew that. 
He said, my son, I can give you money. I can give you resources. I can, I can prepare everything. But there is one thing I cannot give to you. My encounters with God. These are personal. You get to know the God of your father yourself. The God that I was working with. The God that I was serving. The God that you see working with me. My experience with him. I cannot impart you that. You get to do it yourself. Amen. There are things that no man can do for you. You get to know God from yourself. You cannot pray for the impartation of an encounter. No, you get to experience God yourself. Encounters are not transferable. Amen. Your pastor can tell you all the experience. I was praying and I saw an angel coming and God spoke to me. That experience, he cannot lay hand on you and you receive it. No, you need to seek the God of your father yourself. Why? You are a priest. Say, I am a priest. And you can yourself. So your intimacy with God will help you. So now, David knew that. Because sometimes we are busy working, busy pushing in our businesses, activities that we do, everything we do. And sometimes you, you may see money coming. You see resources coming. This is not the indication that God is with you. We are living in a generation that people think material are the indication of God's presence. It is very dangerous. You may have a lot of material, a lot of money, but indeed, God is not with you. Amen. The church can push like that. We, 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 we want, some, sometimes people are leaving churches, you see. They, they, no, uh, 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 this church is small. I want to go to a bigger church. They have big balcony, 5,000 people. The screen is starting there till there. Too much light inside. And we think that when we see that, God is there. I see people moving churches like that. I'm a pastor. Amen. But when you, 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 you look at in the Bible, there's a church that was rich, bright, big, where God was not there. Amen. Let's read the book of Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. And then we're going to jump, read verse 20. Let's read verse 3, 15 to 17. I know your works. This Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea. See, I know your works, that you are neither cold or hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Go down. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, look what that church said, I am what? Rich. Have become wealthy. And I have needs of nothing. That church had needs of nothing. And do not know that you are rich, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. In their own eyes. They say that we are rich, but in the eyes of God, they say, no, you are so poor, you are naked. You look, you think that you are a big church, you don't need anything, you don't need support, you have money inside, you have everything, but you are naked, which means that the presence of financial resources, material resources is not the indication of God's presence. Amen. Hallelujah. You are a priest. 
You need God to be inside of your business, inside of your marriage, inside of your work, inside everything you do. Don't be foolish by certain things that can happen around you. Amen. Jesus said to the same church, verse 20, look what he told them, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door of that church of Laodicea and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Amen. So he was addressing to believers. You know, when we were growing primary school, we used to use this scripture to go evangelize. To tell people, Jesus is knocking the door of your heart today. If you hear this, his word, you must open up. And we use it mostly for, for soul winning. But, but, but when I grow up and then I realize it's not really, really for soul winning. Because he was not addressing to unbelievers. Jesus was addressing to a church. They were believers. Sanctified by the blood of Jesus. They were made kings and priests unto the Lord. But they were not functioning like that. They had everything inside of the building. Everything was inside except Jesus. They took him outside, but they kept everything inside. And Jesus was outside to tell them, you see my position? You are there, rich, wealthy, but I'm not with you. I'm knocking the door. I am outside. Hallelujah. I am outside. Is Jesus really inside of your marriage, your business, your family? Is he inside? Where did you put him? Amen. You are a priest unto the Lord. To stay in intimacy with him. Where did you put Jesus? Hallelujah. And so we think like that. Um, if I see this, God is with us. Because I got a new car. Even if I don't go to the church, if I don't pray, God is still with me. Amen. They give me promotion at work. God is still there. You may be promoted, but God is not with you. You need him. You may lack things. You think that because I'm lacking, God is not with me. God may be with you, even in lack. The church of Laodicea was rich. God was not there. But the church of Macedonia was poor. Amen. Very poor and broke church. Paul speaks about Macedonia church in the book of 2 Corinthians 8. He said that you know the grace of God that was bestowed upon the church of Macedonia. Though in their poverty, but the grace was on them. You understand? They gave generously. They served the Lord. They were acting as priests. They offered the sacrifice of praise, of worship, of love, of generosity to God because they were priests. But they were a poor church. But God released the grace on them, which means that you may be under grace but still lacking. Amen. The grace was on them to sustain, you see. And God's presence, Paul was praising them so that this is a great church. You are a great believer. Don't say, no, no, me. No, you know, pastor, no, me, I, I, I don't have a house, I don't have a family, there's nothing I can do for God. No, no, no. There is something in you. Amen. The Lord has made you a priest. Hallelujah. Number two, your intimacy with God can help you to know his will concerning your life. Amen. 
He wants you to know his will, his plan concerning your life. Through intimacy, you can know God's will. Because your faith cannot be strong enough if you don't know the will of God. If you are guessing, you need to know God's will and plan. And then you exercise your faith. But you, when you sit with him, when you come close to him, you can know his will. God can speak to you through people. It's not bad. He can speak to you prophetically. People can give you prophetic words. It's good. Me, two people, gave me prophetic words. God gave me also prophetic words for people. God gave me prophetic dreams for people. It is good. But Jesus wants you to don't be dependent. That's why you see people are traveling. They leave South Africa. They go to Nigeria. They want prophecy. They, they leave France. They go to Ghana. All they need to see a prophet. But they are believers. In this new dispensation, God said that I can speak to you. All you need, come close to me. Stay with me. The matter of destiny, the matter of destiny, you need to hear directly yourself from God. You don't play with your destiny. God is able to speak to you concerning your destiny. Last week, Saturday, I met with one of my pastors when I was young in Congo. I finished the university. I was brilliant. I was serving at the church. And we were singing in the choir. There was another lady singing with us. And the pastor saw the commitment of that lady. And he saw the fire in me. And he told me one day, Frank, I think the Lord is telling me that that lady will be your wife. You will marry her. And then I did not answer. I was not even, even thinking about marriage. So I just, he, he told me that he must pray about that. I said, okay, fine. When I went to pray, the Lord told me, forget about that. So I did not tell the pastor anything. I just I kept quiet, just moving, doing other stuff. And then they moved him to another branch of our church. We did not meet again. He, he has his children here in South Africa. I didn't know that he has children here. He came in South Africa for medical treatment. Then one of his sons told him that Frank is in South Africa. Then they tried to search my number. They called me. When I went to meet him with my wife, he said, no, oh, you know, people are speaking about you and your wife, how you are doing your ministry with your children. He saw my kid. He was so happy. He's now an old man. And he told me, you know, I want to repent that many years ago, even more, almost like 20-something, I told you about that Bridget. But you know what she is today? She divorced twice, and she's now playing jazz in the club. She's no longer serving God. And he said, I was pointing you to her. If you follow that advice... (laughs) you could not enjoy your life with your wife today. You see? Because sometimes dependence, no, tell me what God is telling you. And and then I told him, no, I I know it's normal. It can happen. We were laughing, making jokes of that. I told him, no, pastor, no, you don't need to worry about that. What about Eli? He was a priest unto the Lord, serving God. 
But he saw Anna praying, pouring his heart front of the Lord. And the priest looked and said, no, you are drunk. He misread the situation, the scenario. Said that the way he was reading, they said it was wrong. But Anna said, no, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm full of anxiety. I'm pouring my heart front of the Lord. Amen. But he was a priest unto the Lord. Even the, 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 the child that Anna gave birth, Samuel, when you grow up, the Bible speaks about somewhere in the book of Samuel chapter 3, that this man grew up and he was, he was an exceptional prophet in Israel. The Bible said that no weight that came out of Samuel's mouth went unfruitful. Every word that he spoke came to pass. He was an exceptional prophet. But when he went in the house of Jesse to anoint the king, despite of his prophetic grace, he was misreading stuff. He looked at Eliab. He said, surely this is the man that the Lord has appointed. God said, shut up. He's not the man. Even a prophet can be wrong. Amen. You need to learn to kneel down in front of God and hear directly from God. He can use men, praise God, but don't become dependent. That's why Jesus has made you and me priest unto the Lord. That we can interact with God. Amen. If you are struggling to understand, you can come and ask for advice. But you have that privilege yourself. Amen. And, and, and another thing, you're, through your intimacy, you can receive the grace to stand in the middle of adversity. That grace comes to you. Amen. As you connect with God, you may be facing challenges. You may be facing things. But because of your connection, you feel the joy of the Lord overwhelming your heart. You are energized in his presence. You receive more life. You are revived. You are crying outside. But when you stand in his presence, you feel the joy of the Lord overwhelming you. And you stand out of that place. You are a new person. Amen. The Lord will tell you, peace, my son. Peace, my daughter. Don't cry. I am with you. Amen. This week was very challenging for me. I, many stuff blocked. I, I did not have access to my car. Many things were confusing me. But it was also a week that I was fruitful in prayer. I did not change my program. I was just spending my time with God. And, and, and I can feel the hand of God. I was praying Friday morning. The hand of God came and said, no, you don't need to worry about anything. I have solution for you. Forget those matters. Focus on me and my kingdom. And then I felt the joy come in my heart. I could not receive that joy sitting in my living room or watching things around me, thinking about the car, thinking about the electricity. Thinking, no, no. I had that joy in his presence. He told me, I have a solution. You just surprise me and serve me. You see the power of intimacy, a changing situation in your heart. You are a priest unto the Lord. And the last one, your intimacy with God will activate your fruitfulness. You are already fruitful. The seed, the gift of fruitfulness is already in you, but it is in his presence through that connection. Working as a priest unto the Lord will activate that fruitfulness. The Lord wants you to be fruitful through your intimacy with him. Hallelujah. And through that intimacy, you can receive the ability to be fruitful even in the midst of opposition. Amen. God has made, the first blessing God gave to men is fruitful. 
that, that is not even a, 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 a normal blessing, but it's like an order, a command. When he blessed them, he blessed Adam and Eve by giving them command. He didn't say, no, I am making you fruitful. He said, be fruitful. It is an order. That I, I put a command on you to be fruitful. And it is only through connection with him that that seed will begin to work. Amen. The Lord gave me a scenario this week that blew my mind. And I'm not sure if I'll be able to explain to you clearly about that, but I received something that transformed me. I was praying for next year, praying, meditating, and God gave me a scripture I could not understand that. I meditate. I think about that. I tried to think. I tried to pray. It took me days. I was not understanding the message inside. But by the grace of God, I finally understood the message. But let me give you the scripture. Then I will give you the background. Amen? This is the last scripture for today. Genesis Chapter 48, verse 20. This is the scripture that I received. I saw a billboard, big one, on the street. I was driving, and I saw it. They wrote Genesis 48, verse 20. It was written there. I captured it in that vision. And when I read, the Bible said that. So he blessed them that day, saying, by you, Israel, will be blessed. Saying, may God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And that he set Ephraim before Manasseh. Amen. Do you know that, that story? Hallelujah. So let me give you quickly, because I was, I said, so God, why you are giving me this scripture? What do you want to tell me? I'm praying to see the direction for next year. I'm praying to have something in my mind. I pray, why are you giving me this? What is hidden inside? Amen. And now, Manasseh and Ephraim are the children of Joseph. You know that. He went in Egypt. You know how he was sold by his brothers? Because of jealousy, he went in the house of Potiphar, and, and the devil followed him in Potiphar's house through his wife, and he found himself in the prison, and God took him out of the prison. He became prime minister, and he was blessed with a wife, and they have children. So when he has his first son, he said, this son will reflect the story of my life. I want to give him a name that will have a meaning, that will reflect the story of my life. He said, you, my son, your name is Manasseh, which means the Lord has made me forget all my toils and the pain of my father's house. You understand? The jealousy, the pain, the rejection, the betrayal. God has made me forget. So every time I see you, Manasseh, I remember that. You are the reflection of my past and my present. You are showing how God took me far until this place. He was calling that child Manasseh. 
is a deliverance. God has delivered me. Amen. From my father's house. Then he had the second son. He said, this one is now Ephraim. Ephraim means the Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The first one, the Lord has delivered me from my father's house. The second one, the Lord has made me fruitful. So for him, it's like spiritually Joseph set a system, a philosophy according to which for you to become fruitful, you need to be first of all delivered. You understand? If you are not free, you are not delivered, you cannot be fruitful. This is what he, he wants to say, that scenario. The Lord set me free and the Lord made me fruitful. Amen. That was the philosophy, a system of life that he is established in his mind. When the time for his father to go, Jacob was very old. And Joseph brought the two sons to his father to bless them. Jacob was already blind. And Joseph came with Manasseh and Ephraim. He said, Manasseh is the first one, Ephraim the second one. He came with them, and he looked at his father. He looked at the right hand of his father. He said, the right hand is, is this side. Then he put Manasseh that side, and he put Ephraim that side. He knelt down with them in front of his father to bless them. The father lost his sight, but he did not lose the perception. Spiritually, he could perceive. perceive. And, and the Lord led him, instead of laying his hand like this, he crossed his hands and he put the hand, the right hand on Ephraim. He put the left hand on Manasseh. And Joseph was seeing the way he was blessing of Father, you are wrong. This one is the first one. This one is the youngest. He said, I know, even the, the, this one also will be a great nation, will be blessed. But this is the system the, 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 that the Lord wants me to establish. My son... You see, this is what me I'm saying now. It's not what the Bible says. My son, you have established a wrong system. You brought your two sons here. You want me to affirm the names that were given to them, and you want me to endorse the system that you have established that you need to be free before you become fruitful. This is the system, but I am changing that system to put the right one. He said, fruitfulness comes before deliverance. Amen. He lays hand on Ephraim, the right one, the right hand, and he lay the left hand. And I begin to think that scripture that God gave to me. And he said, he said, so he blessed them by saying, by you, the system I'm establishing now, by you, will Israel will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. By doing that, he put Ephraim front of Manasseh. Amen. So I'm giving you a prophetic picture. I mean, that was why it's difficult for me to explain to you. But God opened my eyes to show me the mindset of many believers is to give a lot of excuses. I need God to set me free from this. Then I can do that. Then I can be productive then I can be fruitful. And the Lord in his mind said, you are already fruitful. Your fruitfulness will open the door for your freedom. If you become relevant, if you do something, the fruit you produce will set you free. Joseph thought that he was not fruitful. 
But he was wrong. When he arrived in the house of Potiphar, he was fruitful. He was not yet free. But everything he was touching with his hand was producing. He made Potiphar rich. You understand that? But he was still a slave. He was still carrying the, the pain of his father's house. He was not free. But he was fruitful. He himself did not see that. He went in the prison. They promoted him. He started interpreting the dreams of other people. He was fruitful, helping people. He became useful to other people. You see, by doing that, by being fruitful, even in the prison, that fruitfulness took him out of the prison to the palace of Pharaoh where he interpreted the gift of Pharaoh and he was set free. But him in his mind thought that deliverance must come before I become fruitful. And sometimes they tell you, brother, can you, can you share the good news to your neighbor? Oh, no, no, pastor. I'm waiting until I have the degree in Bible school. Then I can, I, I, I lack knowledge. I don't, have, I don't have things to say. Can you give? No, I cannot give. I'm waiting until I got that new, better job. That job that I have now, I cannot tie it with this job. I'm waiting for the higher one. So when, that, when God set me free from this position, then I can become fruitful. But the Lord said that, no, your fruitfulness comes before your deliverance. And God rebuked me by telling me there are many things that are suspended in my ministry all the last year that I was supposed to do. I said, no, this I can't do it. I don't have reason for this one. I do. So there are many things I put them down. The Lord told me, you can't put them. You can't have a lot of excuses. 2024, Ephraim comes before Manasseh. Change your mindset. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't say, no, for this marriage to work, God must have set me free first from this, this, this husband, this angry man. And then I was, no, God said that you be fruitful. Hallelujah. Produce the fruits of righteousness. The fruits. Because the Holy Spirit is in you. He came with all his fruit inside of you. You have kindness in you. You have joy in you. You have peace in you. You have forgiveness in you. You don't need to say, no, pastor, lay hand on me that God will deliver me from this anger. Then I will become a good husband. No. The Bible said that in you, you have the Holy Spirit. You have kindness in you. Begin to produce the fruit of kindness. You'll become free from that anger that always controls you. Your fruitfulness comes before your deliverance. Amen. There are things that you're supposed to do. I remember the testimony that Pastor Andreas always give us of one of the sisters in the spiritual family was at overseas. She had a problem with the workplace. She was mistreated. They, they did not treat her well. She was, she was offended. She did not like it. And when she, she spoke with Pastor Andreas, the pastor told her, bake a cake. Bring it to that workplace. Give them. Go visit them. Go. It was difficult, but she did it. She brought the cake. And by doing that, the Lord, first of all, set her free from anxiety. That pain in her heart left. And the things that she was looking for, she wanted to have documentation, God opened the door. You see, she did what? She just produced the fruit of kindness. The deliverance from pain came. Amen. But sometimes we refuse to produce fruits. We say, no, 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 I can't do this. Until God help me, until God help me, until God help me. But the Lord is telling you this morning, you can produce fruits. 
in your community. You are a priest unto the Lord. You don't need to, the government to make everything right in order for you to become relevant in your generation. I will end up, do you have that video? I'll give you 30 second video. When I was writing my preaching, my daughter sent on the page of our church a 30 second video of Pastor Nick. Most of you, I think you know Pastor Nick, the pastor does not have arms and legs. And he was giving that short message, 30 seconds. It was confirming my preaching, and I was touched. I called Shevan and said, can I send you something that you can put 30 seconds? I will close my message with that one, and then we're going to pray, because I believe the Lord is telling you, you have a lot to offer. You have a lot. Don't look at what you are lacking. Use what you have. And you are a priest unto the Lord to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving, of praise, of giving, of love, of worship to the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful that God didn't even do a physical miracle in my body yet. Do I know if he's going to give me arms and legs? No. Do I believe he can? Yes. But I don't need arms and legs to live out the greatest life he has for me is in his purpose. To love him and love my neighbor to let them know that God loves them too. He said, I'm thankful that God did not give me yet arms and legs. I am so thankful. And that cannot prevent him from serving God, sharing to his, loving his neighbor, and telling them that God loves them. He didn't say that until God will deliver me and give me a miracle, I see legs coming out, then I can become a blessing to my generation. No, he does not have legs, no arms, but he's a great blessing to this generation. Many people, he knows that I have a mouth. I may not have legs, but I have a mouth. And God can use my mouth to bless many. God can use my eyes to bless many. He does not wait for deliverance. He was not wait, waiting for deliverance in order to be fruitful. His fruitfulness set him free. He's married. He has children. He can do many things. They even made a special car for him. He can drive. His fruitfulness made him free. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at Alpha Omega INT. .org.za